everybody. Today is an incredibly special day. Um, we have returned with the spiritual successor to a Dungeons and Dragons show. We shot at Defy Media, which will not be named. <laughs> Our new show is called Tabletop Escapades. V labored very heavily over that name. Uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar, uh, this is a Dungeons and Dragons show where we play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, basically what that means is it's kind of an improvisational comedy show. I create a world and a storyline, and these guys get to screw it up completely, and we don't get to experience any of it. That's the general <laughs> outline of Tabletop Escapades. Um, for those of you that have been following for a while, I do have to start things on a little bit of a bad note that hopefully once we get rolling you won't see it as a bad note. Um, I initially said that we will be, this will be set in the same world as uh, the first season, so I said that you would run into characters like Perviance and Lilia and Hogger and stuff like that. Um, as I was making the world, and I, I am not trying to boast or, or make it sound like poor me or whatever, but I spent like eight hours making this world. And the deeper that I got into it, the more that I realized I kind of wanted this to be a little bit more grounded, a little bit more believable and relatable and complicated. And because of that, all of the crazy stuff that happened in season one just didn't fit. I didn't want to force it and I didn't want it to feel fake. Um, so this is an entirely new world with entirely new rules and entirely new things going on. There is no giant spider goddess named Sylvia. There is no hogger. There is no Mecha Andri. None of that stuff. How about uh, interplanetary travel? No inter... Well, never say never, okay. but... Spoilers. Uh, Spoilers. No, it is, interplanetary <laughs> travel is not planned. Uh, for, for a lot of people, I read like a lot of comments were like, I, that's kind of where they lost me, and I, I get where you're coming from. I think um, that's kind of where you lost us, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think this world is better. I think the story is better. I think the, the characters and motivations in it are better, but you will be the judge. Um, and to kind of sell you that... This is going to be the only time we do this, so don't freak out. Uh, I wrote a lot about the world, and I want you to know what's going on. I want you to know who's in it. I want you to know uh, who the bad guys are, who the heroes are. So I'm going to explain the world. This will take about 10 to 15 minutes. So if you really don't want to know that stuff, feel free to skip ahead. Uh, but it's also to contextualize these guys and and uh, get them into the world and, and have them make sense of things. We don't know this either. We've never yeah. heard yeah. of this. They've never heard of this. This is the debut. So... The summary. In the world, there are a lot of names. Uh, might I advise, if you are really dedicated to, like, pull up Notepad on your computer... You should post <coughs> it in the Patreon. Yeah, I... Yes, more on that later. I'm actually going to get really crazy with this. More on that later. Um, but yeah, pull up Notepad or pull out a notebook, whatever you want to do. You might want to write these names down. There's a lot of names. I'm sorry, it's a fantasy world. In the world of Etros, there are two continents. Esserim and Bolvac. These two lands operate very differently from one another. The civilized races that live in Esserim include humans, elves, dwarves, halflings, and dragonborn. All of the races have kingdoms of various sizes, and these kingdoms have some form of political process. It's unknown how many races are in Bolvac, but there are virtually no kingdoms. Instead, there are tribal groups, each with their own power structure. Excuse me, each with their own power structure, and they often move from place to place. These tribes are sometimes racially mixed. Much of Bulvac is barren, so fertile land is highly prized and almost always fought over. 
The denizens of Bolvac are so busy fighting over land that they've never attempted to visit Esserim. Until recently. Some do trade with Esserim, merch Esserim merchants who make the treacherous journey across the Sea of Flames. And these merchants are the chief source of information about Volvac for Esserim citizens. For hundreds of years, the two continents existed in relative peace. Until recently. So the group that is breaking this peace is known as the Nightingales. And the Nightingales are a group of assassins from Bolvac. Hold on, let me just go down on my Google Drive here. All right, <clears throat> the Nightingales, a mysterious group of assassins hailing from the distant continent of Bolvac. Very little is known about the organization, including who pulls the strings and if they have a centralized hideout. Three months ago, the Nightingales appeared at Satholm, a coastal human city on the eastern border of Esrim. Although Nightingales had never set foot in Esrim before, they arrived at Satholm with an army of Blackfoot and Underwood orcs. The Nightingales and orcs slaughtered everyone and claimed the city as their own. They've marched westward ever since, doing the same to every other city and settlement they encountered. No one knows what's motivating the violent conquest, although several rumors are circulating from the mouths of traveling merchants. Some say dragons have returned in Bolvac. Dragons are where uh, dragons originated in Bolvac. They were born in Bolvac. That's all you're going to know about dragons for right now. And have destroyed most of the fertile land. Others say a pervasive dark magic from a small sect of warlocks has corrupted the very soil and created an undead army. Although the rumors are unsubstantiated, it's clear the Nightingales are acting out of perceived necessity. They desperately need a new place to call them home and don't have the time or desire to talk things through. No one knows the race of the Nightingales, since they're cloaked from head to toe in purple and silver leather armor. Upon death, excuse me, upon death they dissolve into a murky black goo that's very similar to tar. Archmages and Esserim believe this is caused by some sort of necromantic magic the group either practices or has somehow been enchanted with. Okay. Um, so now we're going to talk about the main kingdom in Esserim. And by main kingdom, I mean it's the primary human kingdom in Esserim. Uh, so for your humans of the group, this is very important. Go to locations. The kingdom of Londongard. In the human kingdom of Londongard, the king is seen as the living embodiment of Phallos, or the one true god. So to citizens, the king is a god himself. Long ago, Adon Farron, a knight of the king's guard, fought and killed a red dragon that attacked Londongard. Adon claimed he owed his victory to the light of Phallos. Hungry for power, the church of Phallos ran wild with this claim saying that it wasn't the god's blessing that brought victory, but rather Phallos using Adon as a living vessel. They claim Phallos did this because he felt pity on Londongard. The kingdom had suffered a long famine, followed by a sudden dragon attack. The peasants became so enamored with this story that they started a revolt. They killed the current king and insisted Adon take his rightful place on the throne. Fearful, fearful for the life of his family, Adon accepted. The church of Phallos took things a step further insisting on political and military power, creating the Order of Light. The Order of Light serves as the king's guard and takes up all seats on the royal council. 
Additionally, the Orbital of Light can punish or execute anyone they believe is acting against Phalos for any reason. The Knights of Leningrad handle all issues deemed too trivial for the Order of Light. Since the time of Adon, a son of the Farron lineage has served as King of Londingard. Beric Farron is the current king. Despite the harsh rule of the Order of Light, Londingard has thrived economically. The chief reason for this prosperity is that other kingdoms are afraid of their substantial military might, so Londingard has been able to negotiate favorable trade with other races. So now I'm going to tell you about the current king of Londingard. These are all the major... So we're kind of Beric. getting into all the... Beric. We're kind of getting into all the major players of the campaign. Okay. Up to this point. King Beric Farron, the latest king of Londongard and the son of King Tannis Farron. I hope some of you get that reference. Beric became a king at the young age of 12 when his father died of illness. Tannis was a respected king but a cruel father. Disappointed by his son's frailty and aversion to blood in combat, Tannis physically and verbally abused Beric. His favorite form of abuse was whipping Beric while drunkenly yelling insults. Upon becoming king, Beric reveled in his power and believed he would never have to suffer again. Beric became a recluse and commanded the Order of Light to provide whatever he wanted. Such a king worked out well for the Order, since they could exert power more overtly than ever before. When the Nightingales invaded with their orc armies, Beric, out of fear, commanded the Order of Light to protect him. With the order held up in the castle and the Knights of Londongard at the Battle of Calvide, the rest of the kingdom was slaughtered. For unknown, reason, per, for unknown reasons, perhaps afraid of the order, the Nightingales did not attack the castle. So uh, a key thing and a primary motivation for some of the characters that you are directly interacting with is the Battle of Calvide. Battle of Calvide. Calvide is the name of the halfling kingdom in Esserim. Most halflings are bankers, while the rest are usually merchants or landowners. As a result, Calvide is the economic capital of Esserim, and many lesser kingdoms sit uncomfortably in Calvide's pocket. Calvide is located close to Satholm, and once the halflings heard that the Nightingales destroyed the coastal city in a single night, they frantically sent messengers to the other kingdoms requesting aid. The only kingdom close enough to respond was Londingard. King Beric, fearful for his own life, only sent the Knights of Leningrad to support Calvide and kept the Order of Light in the castle as security. Much like Satholm, the Nightingales quickly slaughtered nearly everyone in Calvide, since there wasn't nearly enough support to stop the Orc Hordes. The battle inspired Virion to form the Gilded Dawn. The Gilded, uh, the Gilded Dawn is the, uh, the organization that you're working for. I have a question real quick. Absolutely. Uh, the Order of Light... Yes. How, like, how strong is that? How many people is that? Could it have been an influence in that war? Yeah, so the Order of Light is about 100 people strong, uh -huh. but the Order of Light is curated to an extreme degree. So they can use divine magic. Like, they could sear off your skin with, with what they call the power of light. So it's likely to believe that that battle could have been won if the Order of Light was Yes, in. yes. The implication is that maybe not, like a total domination, yeah. but it definitely would have given them a significantly better chance if the Order of Light. So, King Beric screwed a lot of people. Got it. Yeah. And the Gilded Dawn was ordered by who? Virian. So, Virian was a Knight of London Guard who was sent to the Battle of Calvide. He was one of the very few survivors that lived through the battle. His anger at King Beric prompted him to form the Gilded Dawn. Cool. So that uh, we all we all makes does all make sense. It. Yeah. Okay. I really want the story to have a consistency and logic to it. So I Gilded like this, Dawn yeah. is yeah. like they're like an independent 
mercenary army, kind of? I'm just about to explain. Oh, okay, okay. Um, The Gilded Dawn, an underground rebellion consisting of nobles and common individuals from many races. The goal of the rebellion is to build an alliance strong enough to overthrow King Beric and create an army powerful enough to crush the Nightingales and their orc armies. Because many of the races join the rebellion out of desperation, they don't always see eye to eye. The elves and dwarves in particular have difficulty respecting the other races since all of the races of the rebellion... Wait, I'm sorry. I skipped the line. The elves and dwarves in particular have difficulty respecting the other races since they've had little interaction with those outside of their own. Nearly all of the races of the rebellion hate the dragonborn, who are seen as unholy and grotesque abominations that should be rounded up and killed. Some elves despise the... some elves despise the fact that peasants and merchants are given important roles within the rebellion, since they believe class hierarchy promotes order and stability. As a result, the biggest problem affecting the rebellion's growth has been political strife. Despite there being a general respect for Virian, he's not a politician, and his inability to keep the races from acting out has led some to doubt his leadership capabilities. Did that all make sense? So yeah. something. So, sorry, go ahead. So we're all part of Gilded Dawn, though. So that is up for you to decide. Sure. Your your contract, what is sending you on this adventure, is mm-hmm. coming from the Gilded Dawn. You are okay. not officially of their ranks, got but it, you are it. working for them. Well, we'll get to that later, right? Like, what's up? Do we already know that? Do we, have we already gotten the contract, or will that happen? Later You've gotten the contract. Oh, okay. You're you are mid contract when oh. the adventure begins. Strange. No good. Okay. You'll see why. You'll okay. See why. Okay. Um, so I need to tell you about Virian. Uh, something that I wasn't able to do, I wanted to write more about the elves and more about the dwarves, but you kind of got a little bit of insight into how they, they function and what they're like. So Virian Malkant. I hope to never say that last name again, so let's just say Virian. Virian's good. <clears throat> Strong name. The leader of the Gilded Dawn and previously a knight of Londongard. Virian was at the Battle of Calvide, and like Lars, who is the first character you'll interact with, he was one of the few to survive. Outraged at the injustice of King Beric, as well as the abuse of the Order of Light, Virian, vad- Virian vowed to avenge his fallen brothers and formed the Gilded Dawn. The son of a dairy farmer, his parents constantly <laughs> encouraged him to strive for a future beyond the farm. They told him he could accomplish anything, and when Virian said he wanted to be a knight, his father scrimped and saved enough coin to buy him his first sword from the local blacksmith. Virian's upbringing instilled in him the belief that social structure does not determine a man's quality. His strong moral moral code, level-headedness, and skill in battle are qualities that have captured the hearts of many. There are those within the Gilded Dawn that adamantly believe Virian is too idealistic and soft-hearted to be an effective Uh. leader during war. Sorry, if you could grab that. Okay. So you know about the Gilded Dawn, you know about Virian, you know about the Nightingales, you know about the Battle of Kavid, you know about the Kingdom of Londongard... Um, that I have more, but that's kind of everything I wanted to give you up front. The gist. Cool. Does like that mo- does that it. all make sense? Do you like the world? Oh, uh, the Sea of Flames. Can we talk about that for a yes. second? Yeah. I was really hoping you were going to ask about the Sea okay. of Flames. Okay. It's literal. It's, it's not necessary, but it's really cool. So, I didn't want to get too far ahead of myself, but dragons play an important role in this campaign. Mm-hmm. The Sea of Flames. There are there are two. There are only two types of dragons in this world. Okay. In the world of Etros. And our characters know this as like a legendary, on like a yeah, legendary you know level. Yeah, you don't know like specific details. You know right. this in a general mythical sense, sure, like you sure, heard sure, bedtime sure. stories. Um, what happened is hundreds of years ago, dragons were everywhere, and there were two types of dragons. There were red dragons, there were em- emerald dragons. 
Red dragons saw themselves as superior to every other living being in Etros. And to how they flaunted this is they would enslave entire races. They would take multiple wives from multiple races and have children with them. This is how the dragonborn, all dragonborn have led red dragon blood. There is There are no emerald dragons that bred with other races. So red dragons bred with all these other races had bastard children, would take kingdoms and loot and armies under their own control. They basically saw themselves as, you know, like I said, superior beings. Emerald dragons took a completely apathetic approach. They did not care about the red dragons and they did not care about other races. They just wanted to be left alone in peace. So they would find high mountaintops or deep lakes they can breathe underwater and they would just sit there and occasionally hunt for food. What happened is the red dragons grew so voracious in their greed and so wanton in their destruction that they eventually started destroying the emerald dragons' habitats. The emerald dragons are far fewer in number, but more powerful than the red dragons. And so what happened is a giant battle occurred in the ocean separating Bulvac and Esserim. And the, the fire, dragon fire, can light water on, it can, it can ignite it. And so this is how the sea became known as the Sea of Flames, because during this great battle, which the Emerald Dragons eventually won, uh, the entire sea was on fire in red and green flame. Damn. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, great so, job, man. So what happened... Paint the picture. ...is yeah. the Emerald Dragons won. They didn't kill every single red dragon, but they killed most of them. And true to their nature, Emerald Dragons went back into their habitats and in their seclusion, and they haven't been seen for a very long time. Ben, you made all of this up. I made all of it up. I mean, obviously, there are parallels you can make to other fantasy works, but I tried to include as much original thought as possible. I like that the main god is essentially named Phallus. If this was a novel, I would read it. Yeah. I've actually been (laughs) toying with that idea. But anyway. um, We can flesh it out. We'll write this... Our, our adventure into the, the book. book. Yeah, that is uh, that is the world. That is a brief outline. There's so much more to go over. I want to get into the history of races and wars and things like that, but we'll get into that another time, hopefully on Patreon. But I want to give you guys a chance to sell your characters to the audience. You can spend as much or as little time as you want on this. And again, keep in mind, dear dear viewers, this is the only time we're going to do this. Uh, who would like to go first? You Okay. Um, uh, no yawning, please. I'm sorry. Oh Yawny voices. Okay, uh, my name is Therese Brightwood, which is a human name, but I am an elf, a female elf. Um, I'm very young for an elf. I'm 28 years old. But by hum- in human society, which is what I was raised in, I was abandoned as, as a baby elf um, in Londongard. And uh, this human family who... Uh, they had very open hearts. They were very studious. They were very curious. Um, they were researchers and stuff like that. They were into all kinds of interesting, strange stuff. Um, they took me in and raised me as a as a as their child. So I, I was raised as a human, basically. Um, but I'm an elf, and so humans, I don't really fit in great in that society, and I don't really fit in with the elves because I know nothing about that society either. Um, uh, yeah, I'm a warlock because uh, around the age of 13, 14, honestly, I'm not exactly sure, I was kind of, I was a rambunctious youth. I was um, 
kind of exploring into things that I shouldn't probably have been looking into, uh, some of which uh, my my parents' research uh, into, like, things that I didn't understand and stuff like that. Um, I'm not, I actually am not positive what happened, but somehow I made contact with an entity that I cannot comprehend, uh, getting that close to the entity sort of like broke my mind. And when I awoke from X number of days uh, unconscious, my entire family was destroyed. The house was a shambles. They were, they were all dead. Oh, um, no. so I kind of, <laughs> yeah, so I kind of got, I went a little cracked, um, and I'm unclear as to exactly what happened. I kind of blacked out for that portion of time. And since then I've been kind of wrecked. Should I go over my like traits or whatever? Like that'd be an easy thing to say. I don't sure. Know. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like obsess over them, but yeah, definitely go over them. Real quick. Yeah. Just generally like, so I don't, I don't, I don't trust. And oh, and since. Since then, like since 14 to now, 28, I've been like a street urchin living on the streets alone, like doing what I can to survive, being like generally weird. But um, I definitely like, I have a bond with this entity, uh, this otherworldly creature. Um, that hasn't left. The, the Yeah, I'm like tethered to it in a way I can't fully comprehend. Cool. Uh it, I, like, sometimes feel compelled to do things, and, and, like, I have a power that's feeding into me from this other place, but I can't, like, if I think about it too much, it kind of makes me start to go a little bananas. Uh, and um, I don't trust anyone. I think that everyone is hiding evil intent, even if they're being nice to me. Sure. Uh, I believe in, like, change. I think that things don't stay the same very long, and I don't put trust in any of that. Uh, I'm... If I found a way to undo what happened to my family, that would be nice. But I don't. I don't think I believe that it is possible. But you never know. Um, and I think that people who don't take care of themselves get what they deserve. So I'm very like, yeah. Therese. 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 Therese Brightwood. Okay. So it's like a very human name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ian, I think you have an excellent character. I really like Therese. Really love the whole, like, mysterious contact with this unknown entity that that has really dictated your life since that point. I think that's super cool. Conjuring. Um, is that is that all? That I think that's. Oh, I have two daggers, that I've kind of just like. That's how I do. I have a crossbow, but I'm pretty bad at it. Um, two daggers. Yeah, and that's I have like I have virtually no money. I have like, I found like I stole ten gold recently. Nice. Uh, and like somehow got found my way onto this contract um yeah love it <laughs> michael huber hello tell us about your character all right i am a dwarf monk named law and <laughs> I, I am 220 <laughs> years old and i used to live with my dwarven family and they were so greedy the entire uh the entire village and the entire uh cave community was obsessed with gems and diamonds and greed and i i I have always thought that there is more to life that life is about helping one another and being honorable and truthful and helping each other to live better lives so i fled 
And I had heard rumors of a monastery of monks <coughs> that taught my beliefs about uh, living peaceful lives and being one with nature and being one with oneself and with one with neighbors. And they took me in, Emperor Dread, and <laughs> Emperor Dread taught me. That's fake. Emperor Dread. <laughs> Is Emperor Dread a good guy? There's an emperor yeah. that he's yeah. just never heard oh, of. Oh, sure. Emperor, yeah. Dread. <laughs> Emperor Dread. Add it to the wiki, Ben. That's yeah. what you're talking about. Is it spelled like the, the, the Judge Dread? No. no. Okay. Oh, okay. No, no connection. Else, no connection. <laughs> Only two Ds. It is uh, D R E. A D K. So like the word word. dread. (laughs) (laughs) And he was the kindest man I've ever known. Emperor Dread's super kind. Very kind. And not an emperor. He's just a monk. He is he is That's his title. Yes. It's his title. Self given. Yeah. Because everyone looks up to him. (laughs) Okay. Sure. All right. So he gave himself He taught me the ways of of martial arts and I had this innate ability within me that he he helped me reach my potential. And I got so close to him like a son that I taught his his son, the prince, uh, Prince Ragnar. Title only. Title only. <laughs> prince Ragnar. Like Ragnaros? No, just okay. Ragnar. Just Ragnar. Like Vikings. No, like so... <laughs> You t- it's my story. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though, it's like Ben's story. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I like this. I'm, no, no, I'm not trying I to discourage you. I told him about this. Sorry. So, this Prince all... Ragnar is Emperor Dredd's son. Yes. yes. Okay. Thank this you. This all took place on the continent of Boardwalk Empire, <laughs> which was over in the uh, the HBO province. So, Prince Ragnar was murdered, and I was framed. For the murder. Wow. And ever since, that was about 50 years ago, ever since I have been wandering from village to village, uh, helping anyone I can. Um, For a long time, I tried to prove my innocence, but all leads and all, uh, any information I I found... uh, it didn't lead anywhere. Uh, all leads have been exhausted. Uh, the the trail went cold. How so was he to murdered? Speak. How was the prince murdered? What did it look like? And why were you, why he was, was the implication that you did? He that? was punched to death <laughs> <laughs> at dwarf height. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> punched to death yeah. in the belly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how Houdini. I, I was yeah. framed, and again, ever that was fifty years ago. Ever since, I have been trying to to help everyone in my path while while look for leads. The trail went cold. And uh, and that's it. And now I'm just just wandering, trying to live a picking pe- up contracts, trying to live a peaceful and I harmonious that. life. That's a good story. Uh, my last note was Ragnar punched to death in the belly. <laughs> <laughs> so now you have to find who did that. Yeah, and and, and the who last, framed you for it? Exactly. Yeah. The last lead I had was like five years ago. Uh, it's a cold case. Fifty-year-old case. case. <laughs> Of a bunch of yeah. humans, like Emperor, Emperor, they're all long dead. Emperor like. Dread is now ninety years old. Okay. He's a human. He's a human, and I'm two hundred twenty years old. Pretty old pretty doing pretty good. You right now we're joking around. I like your story. It's is very, very charming. Very good. Um, <laughs> do you have anything else? I don't want to don't want to give you a short shrift. Uh, no, that w- that was it. 
Excellent. Uh, yeah. Excellent. My 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 bond is to the dead prince, um, to Ragnar. I was very close with him. I've never been as close to anyone else since then. Um, my ideals are I want to help everyone in need and also clear my name, if possible. <laughs> and my flaws are that I will sometimes, if the opportunity comes, uh, make hard decisions for the greater good. Nice. Mm. Excellent. Kyle Bossman. I will make the hard decisions. So I'm, um, I'm a human wizard. I'm a street wizard, however, not classically trained. Uh, as a child, I was eight or nine years old, an orphan. Uh, found a secret hideaway of a deceased, of a deceased wizard uh, in, in the sewers. Uh, snuck into this hideaway and found some wizarding books, found some spell books in there. Wizarding books? Yep. And so this whole, like, my entire life, what, well, you know, I'm 66 right now. So uh, basically wow. just reading those books, trying to get human? this. Yeah, human. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, uh, it's taken me that long to get basically a pretty good grasp of these handful of, of spells. You know, not, like, didn't really learn how to read. So, like, learned how to read through just trying to mash my way through those books. Uh, my, my comments, like all my money just comes from like doing tricks for two people on the streets <laughs> and like trying to manipulate events that I've gambled on. Uh, not super good at that. Uh, it doesn't always go my way. Uh, it's so awesome. Name is Yogala Sitarius. It's just a name that I found in one of the books. Uh, quick question. Yeah. So you didn't, you didn't have a name or address yourself before that? Skrit. Skrit is my orphan name. Oh my god. Uh, so yeah, obviously, like, Yogala Sitarius is like... <laughs> Skrit! Yeah. I love your... I love, it. I love your character so much. Um, I think say, your, say your new name a little slower. Yogala Sitarius. Yogala Sitarius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's love the, it. That's the wizard name. Um, Do you really, think that was the name of the deceased wizard? It's possible. It's definitely possible. Um, well, actually, it'd have to be a wizard older than the deceased wizard because uh, it was, like, in the books and, like, uh, the history section of it. Oh, oh, oh. Um, he loves magic. Like, genuinely, that is a thing that he loves to see and, like, try to get good at and, like, try to perform for people. He likes he likes magic. He finds it, like, very interesting and fun um, and loves cats as well. Great. That's a good character. I left out one thing, which you reminded me of. What? Uh, money... And greed and material wealth makes me very uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. Great, great, great. Because of my because of my family heritage. Conflict is yeah, about conflict, to arise. Yeah, inner conflict. <laughs> it doesn't make me mad. It just makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> I've got ten gold, and I think I'm, I think I'm like the richest. I think the you richest are. I've yeah. ever been in my entire life. We all start with ten, apparently. But cool. Um, yeah, that 10 just a uh, just a comment, Kyle yeah. Bossman, that I'm that I'm so happy about is. Uh, when we did our last D&D show and it started, you just picked a pre-can character. Yeah. And that character eventually, like, evolved into something great, but I, it's so awesome getting seeing you, like, get to flex your creativity and make something totally new. Does it feel good? It feels great to make a character, yeah. Awesome. Feels good, man. Awesome. Feels good, man. I, I feel like I should have done more story stuff like Huber did. I, I should have created I a know, province. Your story seems pretty rad. Oh, yeah. Created a yeah. province. Yeah. Okay. Just break the world for Ben. <laughs> Please. Hey, Ben said it was okay to, that I was from some distant land, so I figured that distant so, land could be Can I give a little context between the, the conversation I had with Huber? <laughs> Huber's like, this is how it started. No oh, yeah. joke. This is how it started. No one say anything for the next minute. 
He said, yo, I'm a monk from China. <laughs> I said, Huber, no, you're not. China does not exist in this world. Is it okay if you're a monk from a distant land? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> come the day of the show, come the day of the shooting. I am from this province, and I, I <laughs> learned under Emperor Dread. <laughs> so what, he's telling you that this was totally approved? It's not the full story. Almost, almost. No. Okay. <laughs> no, right. no. A distant land right. creates the distant land. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I, it's totally fine. I'm not mad. Please don't make your own promises. You're gonna make things very difficult. <laughs> and emperors, <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. No big oh, deal. Oh man, it just doesn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brad. sorry, Bradley. Ellis. Oh yeah, sure. Hit us up. You, so, hey, hold on. Uh, you're on the show. Yeah, that's dude. awesome. Oh, you had yeah, to do one adventure. I made it. Yeah, Last I finally time, caught up. Dude. Like, you are going to be up. a recurring cast member. Yeah. You need to flex. Your wonderful <laughs> voices, all that stuff. Hit, tell us your character. So, my character is named Nicator. It's probably fine. An elf rogue. Grew up, fairly simple life. Great parents. Everyone had a great childhood, everything. Good times. Nicator. But he wanted more. Oh, Nicator's wow. kind of a greedy guy that seeks fame and fortune. So he abandons his home, sets off at a, probably around a pretty young age for an elf, so probably around 60 Set out for adventure, to seek fame, riches, and everything like that. Turns out, Nicator is kind of a goofball, and he botches everything. <laughs> After so many attempts of doing different jobs in the Thieves' Guild, they finally kicked him out. He got countless allies killed. He lost some tons of money. So they <laughs> kicked him out. So, Nicator is an angry guy now, or an angry elf, I should say. And he's determined to show that he's a great thief, and he wants to become the most famous thief out of everyone in the entire region, pretty much. He's also he has like long round or long brown hair, around six mm. two. His age was yeah, hundred and fifteen. Whoa. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Brad, what was he trying to steal the the moment they kicked him out? Like the thing that was the last straw. A goblet. Okay. An old ancient goblet. Mm-hmm. And what went wrong? But. He tried, he, okay, something about him is he's very confident. He's okay. very confident in his abilities. Sure, sure, sure. But he's an idiot. <laughs> so, there was, there was traps set about the room, and he's kind of like, don't worry guys, I got this trap right here. <laughs> Goes in, botches the trap, gets the entire, like his entire crew, he's with around like three other dudes killed. Oh, Setting shit. arrows, shooting out, killing the other guys around him. And he couldn't even get the goblet. He comes back empty-handed, and they're like, all right, you've messed up way too many times. Get out. So he's angry now, and he's trying to set out that he is the best. Okay. But he's an idiot. Sweet. Uh, I suppose the rest of us should say what we look like, too, once you're done. Are you done? Anything else here? Uh, I could just talk about the weapons he uses. He just uses a short sword. He wears all black leather clad. Sasuke. I definitely, I definitely, definitely, definitely want you guys to say what you look like. Be be as short and concise as possible. We're at 35 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm like 5'9". Uh, I look like an elf. Pale kind of complexion because <laughs> I hide out under stuff. But uh, because of the shock of everything that happened, I've got the like the like fear streaks down my hair. So I have like, like dark, dark brown hair with like white like rogue. Cool. Kind of. Like Simpson doll from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, like that. I am. Which happens when you are hugely emotionally stressed. Yeah, I'm 220 years old. I'm four foot six inches, which is kind of tall for a dwarf. 
You're a big guy. Black hair. I'm very tan, like dark. Not like, I'm like dark tan. So like California style, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> California <Sorry>. style. <laughs> California George. And I am... <laughs> I am from China. From China. I am three hundred pounds of raw muscle. <laughs> Damn. Just more, more short and You're as jacked. Wide as you are tall. <laughs> short and jacked. Uh, I love it. Yogala is uh, gangly, unhealthy. He fashions himself how he expects a wizard to supposed to look like. So like he he made his own robes. He's got like a filthy red hat that he saw in the books. Uh, he doesn't know any real wizards, so like he's basically kind of bases all his wizardry off books. what he learned from those books. Cool. Quick question about his like appearance real quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you said he made his own robes. It, was he like surprisingly proficient at that, or is it like kind of patchy, like a, a cheap facsimile of what a it's good... That. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It's not a good-looking robe. Okay, And cool. the hat especially is like droopy. Gotcha. Great. Hey, me, Brad, did you... Oh yeah, so he's tall, pretty slender. Black leather. Black leather all over. Black belt hood. buckles? No belt buckles. It's not no more joint. Um, yeah, short sword. Pretty much it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so, sorry, a little bit more explanation. I, I know, I know it's probably getting unbarreled, but but what we have to do is you just have to set it up, you, what your quest is. Why, why you are where you are. Oh, this is necessary, absolutely. Yes, so... You are not part of the Gilded Dawn. The Gilded Dawn requires full commitment from its from its members, which you guys have not given. You are looking for money and means to answers for your own individual reasons. Um, I will let you guys ruminate on that, and we can talk about it later. But basically, the Gilded Dawn, in desperate need of growing its army, in order to turn the tide of the Nightingales and the Orcs, uh, needs to reach out to other kingdoms for support. Uh, so what they have tasked you of doing is, uh, from the city of Londongard, where the Gilded Dawn is based, they want you to travel through the forest of Ildwin. And uh, through the forest, they want you to travel the Lake of Tears. And from the Lake of Tears, they want you to go to the city of Heavensburg. At Heavensburg, they want you to reach out to the military there, to the garrison, the local garrison, and see, uh, to deliver a message. You don't have to sit there and and be diplomatic. They just want you to hand them a scroll that you've been given, which is basically a plea to join the Guild of Dawn and its cause. You are are couriers, you are messengers, and you are going to the city of Heavensburg. What's the racial profile of uh, Heavensburg? Heavensburg is entirely human, uh, not entirely human, majority human, some elves, um, some traveling merchant halflings, um, a few dragonborn like in the sewers and stuff. Um, so London Bar, Londonburg is kind of a giant city, so it would be like um, London Guard. London Guard. I'm sorry, not Londonburg. London London Guard. London Guard is a big capital city. You know, it's get it's got different districts. Yeah, yeah. This. This is a kingdom, but it's a small kingdom. So, okay. right, they have like one blacksmith, they have one baker, uh, they have a couple of farmers. Um, their council is much smaller, uh, that sort of thing. I can work on exact numbers and stuff, yeah, but just, just a relative scale. But the reason they need us is because of the woods and the Lake of Tears. Like, that's why it's like a. Tank. Right, right. So, yes, exactly. So, the Lake of Tears, as far as you know, you don't know why it's called the Lake of Tears. It's something you're curious about, but you haven't heard anything bad about the Lake <coughs> of Tears. You have heard. About Elduin Forest 
in Ildun Forest, there's a roaming band of goblins that um, pray has, for the slaughter. That has been uh, what they've been doing is <laughs> they weren't hotter. <laughs> so so they goblins started yet. Goblins in this world are basically like animals, right? They don't they don't have a political process. They don't have a military. They just kind of rove around in packs and they kill weak prey. Can they so talk? They they can talk, but it's it's in their own language and it's not like complete sentences. So mm. they don't they're not like, "Hello sir, you should go to attack this thing." They're like, "Kill now." That sort of style of talking. So they're they're one step above animals, and what they've been doing in Eldwin Forest is kind of their hideout. They've been hunting animals, and they've been hunting wandering travelers or lost travelers. Occasionally, they'll go out to small villages and raid them. They either raid their livestock, or they'll even kill uh, families and and loot them and, and eat their flesh. So they they have Damn. no problem eating humans, things like that. So that's been the problem with Illum Forest. That's why they couldn't just send like a, a boy to go and deliver this message. So they need a group of adventurers. They need you guys. Mm-hmm. Cool. Everything. Any other questions on that front? Kill them all. Does that make sense? So, uh, you are not alone. However, you are not traveling on foot. So you are in a cart. This is where our adventure begins. You are in a a cart, an open cart. Always begins right. So with it's a cart. wooden cart <laughs> yeah. with four wooden wheels, very crudely built. Okay. You can feel the cool evening breeze on your skin. Mm, it feels good. And at the head of the cart, the man uh, in charge of the horse and driving <laughs> the horse forward is someone named Lars. Okay. Lars. I know. Yeah. Uh, Lars. Former knight of the order. Yes. Very good. Very good. You remembered. Um, one second. Index. <laughs> Lars was once a knight of Londongard, abandoned his faith in the kingdom after the Battle of Calvide. It was in this battle that he lost his left eye. He refuses to cover up the horrible scars that he never forgets the horror he saw that day. Virian, another survivor and a close friend, managed to save Lars from himself, Lars is an alcoholic, and enlisted him in the Guild of Dawn. Unfit for, military and, unfit for a military or diplomatic role, Lars was relegated to manual labor and transportation. So, that was out of character. From here on, mm-hmm. as much as I possibly can, everything RP is going on. to be in character. <laughs> RP on for the first time okay. in tabletop escapades. Uh, something real quick. Yes. I didn't have it written down, so I want you to be aware. Mm. As a warlock in my path, or my patron, mm-hmm. starting at first level, I can communicate tel- telepathically with anyone I can see within 30 feet. Anyone? Yeah, anything that can that can speak. You can I don't do that to, at level one, uh-huh, and I don't have to understand it. Magic OP. They don't have to understand my please language. Nerf. Um, Magic OP, please nerf. Wow. Nerf. Please keep in mind when we get to combat and things, we will do the best we can. We are going to make mistakes. It happens. It's Dungeons and Dragons. Please sure. be patient with us. Feel free to point out mistakes or errors or lapses in judgment in the comments. But if you want this to be a perfect, like 100% mechanically sound session of Dungeons and Dragons, this is the wrong place, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're the wrong place. It's not going to happen. We're here to have fun, we're here to entertain. Uh, we definitely want to follow the rules, definitely want to be as accurate as possible, but I'm letting you know ahead of time there will be mistakes, there will be problems. Doing our best. Keep that in mind. Um, so, you, this, this, this uh, journey in the cart happened very hurriedly, okay? So, it was, it was kind of the middle of the night, you've been traveling for one day, it's, it, the, the sun just set, and you really haven't had much of a chance to get to know each other or to take stock of Lars. And you notice that he's a portly man that wears simple clothes, which are ragged, filthy, and carry quite a stench. 
The smell of cheap ale clings to him, and it's clear he has no interest in taking care of himself. His teeth are yellow, with wide gaps between them, his hair greasy and long. He also has patchy facial hair. In spite of his unsightly appearance, his strong jaw makes it seem as though he might have been once handsome. Truly, Lars has the look of a man defeated. <laughs> what? What's funny about Lars? Just something that I decided I'd been doing for the last several hours on this wagon is now even more hilarious. He was planning. Ian's been planning this whole time. Yeah. No, it's just something my character... Make just the first move. Like, just go ahead, Ian. What are you planning? What's no, up? My character hasn't been talking much. Uh-huh. I've just been kind of like watching Lars from the back of the wagon and kind of just like diddling my finger on the, the wood of the side of the thing. And like maybe sometimes I'm mumbling to myself. Okay. Um, but none of you know what I've been up to. What do you mean been up to? Yeah, what are you doing? I've you got to tell Ben what you're up to. Yeah. I've been I've been telepathically repeating it was your fault to Lars over and over again. For a long time. Just because I don't like the way he looks. <laughs> so minute one of the adventure, things are not going according to plan. <laughs> uh, you said it was, you're saying it's your, it was your fault? It was fault? your fault, yeah. Okay. Just so, over and over to him. Uh, Lars, uh, at the start of your journey, I'm, I'm not going to say this as Lars because it already happened. That's, that's why. Um, Lars was boasting about how he had been sober for three weeks. It had been the longest time he had been sober. And he was so proud of himself. He had found new purpose in the, the Gilded Dawn. And uh, as the journey has gone on, as this 24 hours has passed, you notice that Lars, is, at first he was just kind of looking around very quizzically. He wasn't sure what was going on. Uh, and then he pulled out a flask oh, no. from from the foot of the cart, like it, it was at his feet. He pulled up the flask. He's been drinking heavily. No, the smell of alcohol has gotten oh. worse and worse. So God. Lars has broken his streak of sobriety. Uh, as the night has gone on, the cart has kind of started to swerve a little bit. Uh, he asks you drunkenly because you haven't been. No one's been speaking for hours. None of you know each other. None of you really seem to have much of an interest in each other yet. That is up for you to decide. He drunkenly yells. <coughs> so, where are you from? It's not important. <laughs> Listen here, dwarf. I could punt you all the way across the river to Bulvac. I don't think that'll be necessary. He takes another swig. Oh, right, Lars, don't you think you've had a bit much of the drink? Listen, old man. He stops the cart. Don't you say another word. It's just I've I've seen I've seen it ruin plenty of lives, and I was thinking we were so proud of you at the beginning of this ride about how you've been sober, and so we, we can be here to help you, Lars. We're all on the same team here. Why don't you go ahead and put that flask away? Every day is a new day, Lars. Why don't you put the drink away? Yeah, put it away. Every day is oh, a new day. Put it day. away. Put it away. You sit there in your library studying your little goddamn spells. Do you know what I've seen? My brothers, the only people I ever cared about, died in front of me. It was my fault. It was my fault. No one cares, you stinking drunk. They're gonna kick you out of the guild if you keep drinking. Lars turns around. The car is completely stopped. You're not moving. You're in the middle of Ildwin Forest. Oh, no. 
He raises his fist. I grab it immediately. Oh my god! Very gently. I am. I'm not refuting your. I'm not refuting your action. I'm not refuting your action. Just please let me finish the sentence. I'm not refuting your action. He's doing that to protect us. Uh, so you grab. Gently. Gently. Open you, hand. You, you I don't grab. Yeah, don't. you gra- you gently grab it, but yeah. suddenly. The power that you felt, the energy, has gone limp. You look, and in the back of Lars's head, no, is an arrow. Oh my God! He's bleeding in the cart. Oh, I it go, was just damn a, Lars, dude. I go rip Lars, dude. The horse, scared, because when Lars dies, he goes, <laughs> the horse rears up, and before it can, its hooves can plant back down on the ground, another arrow. Goes in between its eyes. Oh. Okay. Fan out. We're under attack. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> as the as the, the so when the horse gets shot, as he's falling down, he turns to the side. This causes the cart to overturn. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to need all of you to make your first roll. Yeah. Yeah. Dexterity check, please. One for the books. Oh yikes! Oh my god! Oh yikes! <laughs> Seven. Okay, Huber. Eleven. Kyle. Eighteen. Well done. That's a good roll. Brad. Uh, seven. Give some above ten. So, uh, in a humorous turn of events. The least nimble person of the group <laughs> is the only one that passed the check. Uh, so Ben, I have a weird D and D question already. Absolutely, please. Uh, do cantrips take a bonus action or a whole action in combat? It depends on the cantrip. How about light? So you are entering combat. So oh, I'm actually, gonna... it does say casting time one action. There yeah. it is, right there. Yeah. Okay. Um, you you are not you are entering combat. You are not quite in combat. I know that probably doesn't make sense to a lot of people there, and it's going to upset a lot of people, but. If you want to, since you succeeded in the dexterity saving throw, mm-hmm. because you were quick, because you responded on your feet, you can make a cantrip. Because we haven't rolled for initiative, you can just cast it. You okay. can. It's the thing is, you're casting it as you're falling, so keep that in mind. Okay. So I'm gonna need like, I'm going to need a concentration check. So basically, make an intelligence check. I'll just do it for my first turn. I'll just light up for my first turn. Okay, so you're gonna land on the ground, and yeah. then we're gonna roll for initiative. Right, 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 right. Okay. And then, like, on my fr- as my first attack, I'm just gonna light up. I'm gonna light up the the area. You're gonna light up the area. Yeah, uh, an, an area of twenty feet around us. Oh, I thought you meant like on fire. No, 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 no. Just light it up. <laughs> so you're gonna oh, put right. a big spotlight on us. Yeah. Like attack here, please. Okay. Yeah. Attack here, please. So yeah. we should say actually to the audience, these three guys can like see in the dark. I can't. Yes. Very important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So oh, the other thing, like, <gasps> the other yeah. thing that I wanted to say to the audience but did not get to is uh, we are using a new program that I familiarized with myself the, the last couple of days. I may make mistakes. If I do make mistakes, please let me know. We are using, excuse me, we are using Roll20, which is a wonderful program. It'll make, yeah, it'll make it so we can visualize battles and scenes a, a little bit more literally. Um, a square is five feet, so keep that in mind. Okay, so cool. this, this is all you can see. There's Lars, there's the dead horse. Uh, uh, Ian... This is your character. Kyle, this is your character behind him. Great, wizard. Uh, Huber, this is your monk. And Brad, this is your rogue. 
All you see, so we you don't know where the on opposite sides of the thing? cart. Yeah. yeah, just just for the sake of sure. convenience. Um, this is all you can see. So you see three trees to your left, two trees to your right. They are giant oak trees. Okay. Very, very large. They're like 20 feet tall. Very wide oak trees. You don't know where the arrows are coming from. So the people that did not pass the check, you take four damage. Mm. All of us? I'm dead. No, yeah, all of you except Ka. I'm almost dead. <laughs> Dang. All right. Oh, four damage? Yeah. Four damage. Six points, we're fine. All right. Um, let me tell you, so this, there were no strange smells or sights, uh, kind of until this, this attack happened, but now you're noticing something a little bit different. Okay. Uh, something seems afoot in Elden Forest besides the attack. It's eerily quiet and the air reeks of blood. Can I have you all make a perception check? (laughs) Jesus. Five. Eighteen. I'm sorry, is perception wisdom? Yeah. Perception is wisdom, that's Eight. correct. Eight. Okay. Hello? Uh, Who got the eighteen? Me. Okay. Huber, uh, so you said you've been doing contracts, right? So you've been doing different kinds of work. And as you've been, it's just a means to survive as you try to prove your innocence. You've dealt with goblins before in those contracts. You're very capable of dealing with them. You know that it smells of goblin blood. A lot of it. So perhaps whatever goblins were here... No longer exists. You're the only one with this information. Um, can I have you all roll initiative, please? We are going to begin our very first combat encounter in tabletop escapades. And uh, for you lovely people, we get to do this on this thing. We get to keep track of turn order on here. Oh. Yeah. Um, I'm telling the group that it's goblins, by the way, before the battle. Yeah. Uh, you have to say that at roll as a... In... I see. Yeah, and I see. Okay. Out of care or in character. Yeah. Goblins. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> We're gonna have the kinks. We're gonna have the kinks. Yeah, 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 yeah I still don't know my voice exactly <laughs> yet. Goblins. That's it. That's all. Oh, sh- shades of hogger there. <laughs> we actually can't do it on here because then it will reveal a spoiler. So oh, cool. for a future battle, we'll have to do it. But I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to drag the other tokens, the things I you guys see. are fighting, <clears throat> on here yet. So we're gonna do it manually for now. Okay. Uh, let me roll initiative for my enemies. Spoilers. Goblins. Uh, initiative is dexterity plus proficiency, right? Your dexterity. No proficiency. No proficiency. Oh, just just dexterity. Yeah. Oh, look at this guy. Needs to learn how to do the rules. Oh, okay. 18. Initiative. Is the simplest thing we ever do. Oh God! Here we go. Everyone, it begins for three hours before we started this show. Ian was bragging about how he knows the book. I wasn't bragging. Night. I was just yelling at you. There was for no not bragging, knowing. but there was yelling. Like I says, he says I know every page of that book. What I do the post. And now he wants his proficiency bonus on top yep, so of initiative. One twenty plus three. I'm just not used to having such crappy dexterity. So the sorry one d twenty. So the twenty roll the twenty sided okay, die and then add three. Oh, okay. okay. So All right. So we're gonna go. Yeah. The way we're gonna handle initiative is we're always gonna start at that end of the table and go around. Uh, Nine. Teresa. Therese. Therese. I'm going to fuck up the names Teresa. a lot. Keep yeah, it Therese. Working out the kinks. Uh, Working out the kinks. What is your... What was your Nine. initiative? Nine. Excellent. Huber. No, Fifteen. Really. My name's Law. <laughs> Law, thank you for your initiative. Yogala. Ten. You remember Yogala? <laughs> yeah, it's just outlandish enough. Mine's a real name. <laughs> Nicator. Nicator. Twenty. Nice. Nice. 
Got that Dex, boys. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> all right. All Invested all heavily in Dex. <laughs> Min Max. Ladies and gentlemen, next time on Tabletop Escapades, we are going to begin our very first combat encounter. They'll, they'll get to uncover who their mysterious assailants are. We're going to see how much some of them know about Dungeons & Dragons combat, <laughs> including myself. They may die on the first encounter. We are going to be more strict about death. What Damn. will happen? I hope you enjoyed this first episode. I realize there was a lot of talking, not a lot of action, but I hope you enjoyed the world. I hope you enjoyed the characters, and there's more to come next week. Thanks, everybody.